Last week, we went over the five um, core uh, beliefs of Mormonism, which um, they hold dear to their hearts. Uh, if you want a handout from last week, I provided also in the foyer, and then there also the uh, part two for tonight also out there. We went over the Mormon belief about their founder last week and about um, the sacred text, their belief in Jesus Christ, and their belief in God um, and their uh, heavens. So tonight, we're going over um, how to reach Mormon. And I will try my best to explain. And um, before we get in, let's pray. Dear Father, thank you today, Lord, and thank you for uh, your love, and thank you for your, uh, your local church that we, you provide for us, Lord, and, that, uh, and thank you for the church to continue to grow and help us to uh, reach people for you, and especially the Mormons that we learned uh, last week and this week, Lord. Thank you again for your words, and that helped me to um, talk about it, and let nothing come out of my mouth that is not yours, Lord, and help me to um, present it well in Jesus' name. Well, one thing in our society today uh, is failing to teach is the golden rule. Um, do unto others as you would have done unto you. When, when we are outreaching people for Christ, we must remember who we are repre representing, which is God. So let's take a quick look at how to present the gospel. Uh, when we're talking, about, talking to those who are unbelievers, you should approach them with respect. Uh, for their intellect, for their gentleness, because our pride may get in the way of you becoming uh, boastful. Now, with, and we also talk to them with love and care for their eternal well-being. Well, let's take a look at gentleness and respect. First Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 15 to 16, which said, But sanctify the Lord God in your heart, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of hope and is in you the meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that folly accuse your good conversation with Christ. So this verse telling us that we must be ready to give answers uh, when, when it's asked. And when we give answer, we must answer in a calm manner, and that we, we must answer with clear conscience. That means that we're not going to regret what we said after we said it. So now as Christians, we are also to respect all the people who we are come in contact with. Now, don't talk down to people who have a different belief than you. And they are not stupid. They're just misguided. And then another point that is to love the person. You must have a desire to love a person, a special person you are trying reaching for Christ. Treating those of other faith with love doesn't mean that you believe what they believe is true, but we are called to love as Christians. It's good to challenge in, uh, their belief in the name of truth, but remember to speak the truth in love. So each person's religion is usually had, is the closest thing in their hearts. Um, Earning, earn, earning trust is the most important step of evangelism. And we must be gentle with uh, people's heart. So Mormons believe is uh, multi-generational with families, so that belief is very deeply rooted. So the best strategy is to stay away from the teaching of 
uh, Joseph Smith or Brigham uh, Young or Mormon doctrine because you may not know as well as they are. But we must stick to the, uh, as close to Jesus Christ as possible. Your goal as the Christian evangelist or the giant reaching people for Christ should be to discuss Jesus and his gospel, not the Mormon gospel. Because your goal should be for the persons, uh, that person you're reaching, to walk away and think, that was the most Jesus-centric person I have ever met. That's your goal. Because you are pre representing Jesus. And when you stay close to Jesus in the discussion, you will find it easy to talk about Jesus. After all, Jesus is the common that win both Christianity and Mormonism. So imagine with me, Mormon missionary go on, knock on your door. And then you invite them in to discuss about the gospel. You invite them to sit at your table and offer a beverage, whether it's you drinking coffee and they're drinking tea, because Brother Jocelyn tell me that they don't drink coffee. So, <laughs> you know your Bible, and they know their own Bible. It's two different uh, beliefs. And you're trying to witness to them in the most perfect layout of salvation plan that you could ever imagine. And you walk them through the Roman road of the best of your abilities and ask the Mormon missionary to respond. Only you can hear if they said, I agree 100% with everything you said. Now, last week, I, I said this last week, Mormonism looked like Christianity on the outside. Right. See, for you to reach them is to understand the term that they use in the, uh, in the Bible um, versus they take out of context. You must understand what, you must ask, what do you mean, you mean by that when you're talking with Mormons? So let's take a look at what, uh, what do you mean by that? So you must be ready and be able to define what you as a Christian mean by the words that you're going to ask and be willing to listen as the Mormon define them. So you will find very quickly that Christian and Mormon utilize the same word, but they find them in a completely different dictionaries. So let's take a look at a few terms that you need to understand. Some of these terms, like Jesus, God, Godhead, and the Bible, we talked about last week. So if you want to hear about it, get online. We have a website, and we could uh, watch the video from last week. But uh, tonight, we're going to talk about uh, three more terms that you will uh, hear when you talk to your Mormon. The first term is salvation. Salvation is, as a Christian, we believe that it's a release from the guilt and the power of sin through God's gift of grace. It is provided through Christ's atonement and received by a personal faith in Christ as Lord and Savior. So in other words, salvation for us is free through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, the only thing that we need to do is accepting uh, Jesus Christ into your own heart and ask him to transform your life. Now, Romans chapter 3, verse 20 says, Therefore, by the deeds of the Lord, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. This verse telling us that the law are there to help us acknowledgement of our sin in the past and our sin in the future. So, especially in the Ten Commandments that God gave us, 
There is none that is perfect enough and able to fulfill the law to attain salvation. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 that the only way to salvation is to confess our sin. Romans 10, chapter 9 and 10 said, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10 said, For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourself it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in, in them. These, the Bible is telling us that the only way to salvation is through Jesus, not through works. But meanwhile, Mormon believes that salvation is only achieved by work through the obedience of the ordinance of the, church, of the, of the Mormon church. So we talked about it last week, but here in recap. Mormon believe that through, uh, through living righteously and by being kind to others, they will be saved and will eventually become their own gods to have their own planets with the power and knowledge. That was Mormon belief. Now we're going to take a look at the, the word baptism or the phrase receiving the Holy Spirit. These two terms come in hand to hand. But we believe that baptism did not get you to heaven and that you receive the Holy Spirit before you're getting baptized. Now let's take a look at some verses. Luke chapter 1, verse 41 said, And it came to pass that when Elizabeth hear the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now take a look at 9 and 17, Acts chapter 9 and 17. When Ananias went his way and entered into the house, putting his hand on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared to thee in the way that thou camest, has sent me. And thou mightest receive the sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. So we can see uh, that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost to buy and hear the salutation of Mary, the greeting of Mary, uh, which the Bible did not record that Elizabeth was baptized before receiving this, uh, the Holy Spirit. Now, the same is true with Paul, who was blind on the road um, on Damascus and wasn't even believing in God, but Ananias touched him according to uh, what Jesus told him. Because Paul received his sight and the Holy Spirit. Now, if you have your Bible, turn your Bible to, with, to Acts chapter 10, and we're going to look at 44 to 48. And it said, While Peter yet spake this word, the Holy Ghost fell on them which hear the word. And they of the circumcision which the Israelites, the um, Jews, which believed were astonished, and yet as many as came with Peter, because that was on the Gentile, also was poured out of the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues, we don't believe in tongues now, but uh, and magnified God, and answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, 
would have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. So, and as he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord and pray, they him to tarry certain days. It's, it is obvious here in the text that the Gentile had already received the Holy Spirit and was speaking in tongues before they were baptized. So therefore, the answer is clear. It is not necessary to be baptized in order to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism has become the outward sign of reception into the people of God. It was a sign of cleansing from sin and so for the forgiveness through the death of Jesus Christ. At the same time, it was a symbol of our accompaniments and the sign being inwardly changed by the Holy Spirit. In other words, Gentiles have been baptized with the Holy Spirit and it is allowed um, that they are, were eligible to be baptized with water. Now, however, women believe totally different. They believe that in order for a person to receive the Holy Spirit, you have to be baptized first. And you have to be baptized in the Mormon church. Here is the quote from the Mormon website. Being born of the Spirit refers to receiving the gift of the Holy, uh, Holy Ghost after baptism. Hence, we were born against water and of the Spirit. Since we are born again, we are clean again, as we were when we were born. They believe that you were born without sin. We believe that we are sinners when we were born. So our previous sins are in remission, but they uh, can come back again through the transgression if we don't repent. We, if we aren't baptized after the order or the pattern that's set by Jesus Christ, by one having proper authority like John the Baptist and the apostle, had, then we cannot enter the kingdom of God. It is as simple as that, that according to Jesus Christ, no other wild interpretation, such as those involving uh, amniotic fluid, are necessary. I'm thankful that we could get saved before we get baptized. Now, another term that you is the church. Now, Christian uh, gathered together in the local bodies and along, uh, along with other denominational lines sharing distinctive doctrine concepts. Now, there is no organization or denomination that can claim that they are the true church. The universal church consists of the redeemed in the Jesus Christ in all of ages. Now, in other words, if you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are the church. If you are gathered together with uh, each other in a local body, that is called a local church. A local church will, be, will never be perfect. It will ne- have a bunch of sinners gathered together to worship Christ. That therefore, each church will have flaws, disagreements, and problems. But we are striving to be like Christ together. We are trying to take each other's burden so no one is perfect in a local church. All we can do as a church is try to be more like Christ. Unlike Mormons, they believe on the idea of only one true church in the whole earth. Mormons consider themselves to be the true church of the whole earth. That will say that the Mormon church is, you know, the 
the best church there is. But Joseph Smith claimed that Jesus Christ told him to uh, not join any of the existing churches because they are all wrong. The doctrine are all wrong. Here is a quote from the Mormon website. Just taking a quick glance at the hundreds of Christian churches in existence today, it doesn't take much to notice that all the dispute about belief, practices, doctrine, and authority that divided each denomination. It would be impossible to join all of these churches, even the Protestant sect, into uh, one church. Therefore, all of them do not make one body without schisms. There can only be one church. And, and the writer said, I testify that it is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the only church on earth with the key of priesthood and authority of the gift of the Holy Spirit. We will see the local church is you know, somewhat messed up, but we are trying to be like Christ. Now, there are also Bible verses that they're taking out of context. So take a look, let's take a look at that. Turn with, you, turn with me in your Bible to 1 Corinthians. We're going to take a look at chapter 15. So if you can remember from last week, I mentioned, um, I mentioned quickly that the Mormon believe in baptism of the dead. But I did not explain it last week. So their, their loved one can go to heaven. So we'll take a look at baptism of the dead. They use the 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 29, which says, Else... That, uh, what shall they do with a uh, baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all, why then they baptize for the dead? So this is the only verse in the whole Bible that mentions the baptized of the dead. So it is extremely important for us to understand the, con the full context of our, so that our doctrine are firmly built on the biblical principle. So if you, if you, let's take a look at verse 12. Uh, if you read from verse 12, you can see that Paul is talking about two people who do not believe in the resurrections, yet have introduced the ritual of baptism for the dead. Verse 12 said, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Now verse 13 said, But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? See, Paul is informing them if, they, uh, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen in verse 13. And if Christ is not risen, then his teaching is not relevant and our faith is in vain, which means that we will still die and go to hell. But Paul here, are you, what is the point of, your, of uh, their practice of this ritual, uh, uh, ritual? Because there is no thing to gain from it. This point is extremely clear because Paul is not including himself in the context of uh, because he say the word they and not we. So Hebrews chapter 11 verse 40 said, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without uh, uh, us should not be made perfect. Mormon used this verse right here to, in support of their doctrine of, on baptism of the dead and tie into their doctrine of covenant, 100, verse 128, verse 15. 
The only problem with this is the completely out of context. He, Hebrew 11 is going through the hero of faith of Old Testament. The writer is demonstrating that the people after Jesus finished work have more reason of faith. To have faith because of these Old Testament figures did not even get to see the Messiah to come. Now, we're going to take a look at another verse that they use to prove the need for prophet and continue of revelations. Mormons often use Amos chapter 3, verse 7 to support the need um, for prophets after Jesus. And it said, Surely the Lord God would do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servant, the prophet. And again, they use this verse out of context, therefore we need to uh, diligently look at the whole context as a whole. We want God's word to speak for itself, not using the Bible to support our own opinions. So in Amos chapter 3, we see the prophet Amos is addressing the children of Israel. Now verse 6 telling us, Shall the trumpet be blown into the city, and the, uh, the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in the city, and the Lord had not done it? This verse saying is that if there evil in the city, will the Lord not done it? When you read the two verses together, verse 6 and verse 7, we can see how God has histor historically uh, not sent judgment upon it until He wanted us to do a prophet. Now, it is, not, it is not saying that God will not do anything with our prophet. Amos is not the only book which God used a prophet to warn God's people before he sent judgment. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 said, God, who has sundry sometime and in diver manners speak in, the, in time past unto the father by the prophet, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he had appointed heirs of all things, by whom also he made the world. This verse telling us that God spoke in various ways in the path to a prophet in manner as parables, prophecy, psalm, proverbs, and through miracles like the burning bush, heavenly visions. But now God is no longer, no, no longer speaking through prophets, but through, but through his son Jesus Christ, through his holy word, who it was the fully and final revelation. This is noted that the, the reason we know this, the Hebrew said, um, God, who is century time in the diver manner, spake into the time past unto the Father by the prophets. So the word, the word uh, past tense here, spake or spoke in the verse. We, we know that the writer used that to say that it's past tense. It in the past. So if Christ wasn't finished his revelations, then his work on earth was not done. Luke chapter 16, verse 16 said, The law and the prophet were unto John. Since that time the kingdom of God is preached, and every man pressed into it. Luke 16, verse 16 telling us that, saying, saying that the law and the prophet were in effect until the end of John the Baptist's ministry. 
Then the good news of the new covenant fulfilled the law, and the prophets were ushered in. This new covenant, based on the grace by faith, was far superior than the old law. Now it was based on the promise uh, which was fulfilled in Christ and had made everlasting. In your conversation with Mormon, these are many verses that they may take out of context. So do your own research by checking the context of each passage that they use to support their doctrines. Now, do not feel like you have to convert uh, that Mormon the same day. Uh, if they ask a question that you don't know, let them know that you come back to them and, have, and make sure you follow through. Now, understand that they believe and be able to refute it with the truth. Know a few of these terms will help you understand um, where the Mormons stand, what they believe is. However, you are not trying to win a debate. You are trying to win a, a Mormon for Christ. Knowing what they believe and how they are taking the Bible verses out of context will prepare you to ask them a few questions. So take a look at the question that you can ask. On your handout, uh, there is a list of questions that you can use as a sample to help probe answer out of someone you are trying to have a conversation with. You should be ready to answer these questions that you're asking them also, so you could leading on what you believe at uh, your own faith as well. So questions sounds like, what is your spiritual background? What gets you more excited about being the Mormons and the many more on your sheets? So listen carefully while you, they, ans they are answering the question that you ask them. At the appropriate time, you need to ask, what do you mean by that? For example, if you ask, what is your spiritual background? And if they answer something like this, I was baptized when I was a kid, growing up in the temple and studying the Bible. Now I am a missionary reaching people for Christ. Then if you are paid attention, you can ask this. What do you mean by being baptized? Or what do you mean by believing in Christ? Or what do you believe in Christ? You are, steering, you are trying to steer these conversations to insert what you believe. When the person you are talking to give their answer about baptism, which, which their baptism is required to receive the Holy Spirit, and you can say, hmm, that, that is not what I believe. That's not what I read in the Bible. Then now you can have the opportunity to give an answer to your own question that you probe. Now, now you make sure you need to show them the answer using the Bible. Have you ever wondered how many trips that you have to go to the doctor before they precise, uh, precisely operate on you? A few weeks ago, I had a toothache, and uh, it was hurting constantly, so I scheduled an emergency appointment uh, and hoping for them to pull out my tooth. I showed up at the, at the time that it's scheduled and at the appointment. They invited me in after a temperature check because of COVID. They sat me down on a dentist chair, and the doctor went in and put the gloves on. Then he touched my tooth. And look at it for a moment, and he said he was done. He didn't do anything else to touch my tooth. 
and had me schedule another appointment to get it fixed. So my point is, doctors, even dentists, must prepare the groundwork um, so that they can operate later to fix the issues. Now, Satan is, did the same thing. He spent thousands of years to doing the groundwork, and now he is very good at leading people away from Christ. If you don't believe me, take a look at our society. They are confused with their own genders. They begin to think evil is good and good of evil. Now, if you are trying to witness to the Mormons and you are not prepared, you are going to fail miserably. Mormon missionaries know the Bible well, and so should we. So Christians must understand, must stand on the Bible, and then uh, must lovingly proclaim the gospel message to all unbelievers everywhere. Now, this includes sharing Christ with the member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Through the word Christ, even though the word Christ is found within the name of the organizations, the New Testament Christ is not found in their teaching. Mormons are different from any other unbeliever, are no different than any other unbelievers. They need Jesus in the same way we did before we were converted. Now, in the end, we must be the salt and the light and proclaim grace for the forgiveness of sin. Knowing God's word will not re uh, return empty-handed. Now, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11 said, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return voice unto me, not return unto me void. But it shall accomplish that which I uh, please, and it shall prosper in the things where I send it. Now, pray the Lord for the harvest, and asking Him for strength, boldness, and a compassion in sharing Christ, uh, about Christ to people, especially the Mormon. And then we need to pray and ask that He accomplish it on the cross. He died on the cross so we could have that good news of the gospel to share to people who do not know Christ. 